All right, welcome back to the Gateway Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Brennick. With me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Anderson. We run a company called Gateway Defense, and we travel country teaching folks what we know about shooting, as well as working together to produce high-quality YouTube content uh, revolving around the topic of performance shooting. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into the topic of low-light shooting, and joining us in the discussion today is Brian Valise of SlyTac Training. Brian, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's good to uh, finally jump on this. I know we've been talking about doing either like, like an Instagram live or a podcast or something like that for quite a while. So uh, I'm glad we can get you on the, uh, the gateway podcast. Yeah. I'm glad you guys actually started a podcast, which is, which is pretty cool, right? Especially for you guys. So I'm super happy for y'all. Yeah, we're stoked about it. Um, so a lot of people know, um, and a lot of people probably will watch this on YouTube, but we have a YouTube channel where we're making videos. And for Justin and I, this is probably like the easiest way to up our posting schedule because <laughs> filming a full on YouTube video, like 40 minutes or something like that, 30 minutes, it takes a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of driving, a lot of shooting, a lot of filming and editing, um, and podcasts are, are easy. We get to have conversations with cool, cool people and, uh, hopefully it's hopefully it's valuable for people. So uh, so we we like doing these for sure. Um, and then, are you guys in the same state? Yeah, we are. We are. Okay, so we're, which is awesome. But we're still like two hours, two and a half hours two, from each other. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. That ain't nothing, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you live in Texas. Texas is a big state. Yeah. yeah. Like, how far do you have to drive for a match or whatever? Like, eh, three, four hours. It's just Texas time. You know what I mean? That's just Texas. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, like there's some parts of the country for matches. People are like, Oh yeah. You know, I'd like to make it to that match, but it's like 40 minutes away. And I'm like, <laughs> my closest match so is 40 doing? minutes. Yeah. 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 I think my closest match is maybe an hour and a half. So yeah. Um, okay. So let's, uh, let's without any kind of, uh, further ado, let's, uh, get into, um, the topic of the day before we do that brian um so one thing that we like to do is just kind of make sure these don't turn into interview um shows right um nothing against yeah. interview shows but there's a lot of really good ones out there already um what we want to do is have discussions um discussions that justin and i are probably already having together uh, but bringing in somebody who knows what they're talking about a subject matter expert um in our opinion, resumes don't really matter. Um, it's all about what you're putting out and what you're doing um, right now. But sometimes resumes do matter a little bit, right? And so maybe just give people an idea, just quick elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, and uh, yeah, maybe how your experience can relate to the topic at hand. Yeah, man. So uh, let me delete my whole story that I was about to tell you. But uh, yeah, so super short and simple. Uh, I've been a, a cop since 2012. Uh, most of my experience has been on patrol. So I did a lot of stuff on patrol, uh, part-time SWAT team, uh, nothing too crazy there. Um, and then took a whole bunch of training like you guys did, right? I spent all my overtime money on training. So took a lot of classes, really fell in love with shooting, teaching, um, and then uh, really experienced a whole bunch on the training side of the house because my department wasn't offering training, right? So I had to invest in myself and really pay for my ammo, my gear, everything, everything that I've done, you know, I've invested in myself. So um, fell in love with training and shooting, like I said, and uh, really just started to dive in on the, on a whole bunch of uh, different things within training, low light, vehicle work, injured shooter, just your, your performance stuff, right? So 
Um, I caught the bug like you guys did, right? Uh, and I remember, I think, Justin, I think you talked about the Magpul DVDs at one point. Same, similar thing. I saw those DVDs and I was like, all right, let's 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 start putting in for classes. And so that's what I did. And I never looked back, man. So that's that's where I'm at. I'm still taking classes, I'm shooting matches uh, pretty aggressively this year. That's the plan. Uh, but yeah, that's my background in a nutshell. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, my first introduction to you was, um, back in like 2018, 2019 timeframe, uh, to to North Carolina, uh, to, uh, to the, uh, to the range out there. Um, I think, uh, Nick and Aaron hosted you or or Mark, Mark and Aaron, maybe Nick wasn't there. Yeah. Mark wasn't there. Yeah. 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 He was too good for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I remember that. So that was, that was one of the first classes I ever took actually, believe it or not. Um, and that was before you're with centrifuge. Um, and so it's cool to see you kind of, uh, back doing your, doing your thing again. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can share the range again at, at some point. I would love to jump back in one of your classes and, uh, and, and shoot a little bit with you. But, um, so you do, you do a lot of, um, a lot of low light classes, right? I mean, yeah. kind of, would you say that's kind of your niche or do you feel like that's just part of part of what you like to teach? Oh, that's one of my favorite subjects to teach. So I would say it's yeah. definitely my niche, if I will. Like I kind of get like put in the low light corner, but I mean, I love it. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, so I teach a lot of low light classes, a lot of different variations of that, whether it's just a low light intro class uh, maybe it's a little bit more of quote unquote advanced um, and where we're including medical work with low light, okay. which is, um, I don't think we did that in your class. Uh, that was, so. yeah, that was a one day handgun, a one day rifle. So that's kind of the intro class, if you will, even though it may not have felt like it <laughs> in, during that class. Uh, but then, you know, the quote unquote advanced classes include medical work on day two, because that's a, that's a bulk load of what we're seeing within officer involved shootings guys needing to apply medical work either to themselves or to somebody else in a low light setting and hmm. there's no training like that that is not that i've really come across there's a couple of classes here and there but it's a very um neglected subject right so try to teach that pretty well um and then the low light instructor and i think that's really about it as far as my low light classes that i have yeah yeah that's okay. that's a really good point i i never see low light medical classes being talked about ever that's actually yeah. I, and to be honest i haven't even totally thought about it until now um that that's actually super applicable yeah it is especially because again uh, guys my background is patrol based right so law enforcement so there's a lot of uh, data and stats that is out that, that's out there that you can pull from from leoka from uh you know ucr from different private entities that are that are doing research right so that helps us for sure, right? Because data does help to drive training and it kind of shows us where, what we're neglecting, what we're, uh, what we're missing, what we can work on. And then uh, there's one big percentage where we know that, hey, guys have a high percentage of being an officer involved shooting during a low light setting. So we need to rep that out. But then also there's another high percentage of guys being potentially injured, right? During an OIS, just because of the nature of that, right? Most engagements are generally close distance they're generally not 25, 50 yards away. Now that does happen for sure, right? But generally they're close distance. So the closer I am towards that threat, right? The luckier they have to be. They don't even have to have sights on target, right? Just point the gun in my general direction and and, uh, and send hate, right? So we see guys getting tagged at night, right? So um, those two subjects on their own are pretty, you know, those two skill sets are 
can be pretty difficult for some, but now combining them together is something that people don't even train or, have, or just haven't even thought of, right? So, yeah. It's almost like the uh, like the tactical version of um, you. You guys know uh, Mason Lane, right? Um, USPSA competitor, uh, yeah. super super talented guy. Um, so he, he talks about a lot like um, layers of difficulty in your training, where you're where you're adding this, that, and the other things. So maybe you're starting with static shooting, and you're sta starting on open targets, and then you're adding no shoot partials, and you're adding shooting on the move in different positions and things like that. It's it almost kind of reminds me of that, right? Everybody can stand and shoot. Everybody can flip on a weapon mounted light. Everybody can use a handheld light. Um, yeah. But then you start layering these these layers of difficulty. Okay, make it dark, right? Um, take one hand out of it. Now, you know, do medical. Everybody, most people can apply a tourniquet, right? But now you have to do it in the dark. And so I think that's I think that's a good um, that's good stuff to explore for sure because you don't want guys trying to figure that out uh, the day it matters, right? You want them to exactly. figure that out before exactly right we're trying to build a surplus of skill that's all we're trying to do right so just build a various amount of skills so we can stack on uh and then if it does happen to you right and maybe you're not injured maybe you're just applying medical to somebody else like hey i've seen this before i've kind of done it before right so i kind of have a plan versus like i have no idea what i'm doing right uh right. and the med work is pretty you know comprehensive it's not just tourniquet work which for the most part when you look at le engagements that's kind of where guys are having the biggest hiccup depending how much time is is allocated to med work. My experience for med work was uh, a two hour basic Saba class, right? Self-aid buddy, buddy aid. And that was during the academy and, and not to my department. They only have so much time, right? Like, so it is what it is, right? Um, but hey, I only had two hours. Here's your tourniquet. Here's how to open up the package. Here's kind of how to basically apply it. And that was it, right? So mm -hmm. I never I never saw how to do chest seals. I never saw how to uh, wound pack, uh, injured, sh injured shooter carries, whether I'm injured or wow. somebody else is injured. Like, how do I do that? Um, you know, the basic, like, TEC um, protocols, if you will, that, like, most guys should know. Um, didn't experience any of that until I took outside training and started to work on that on my own, right? So that's um, crazy. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, imagine like the department's like, Hey man, like you're going to do great. Right. Like you're going to be able to figure this out. But that's just not how it works. Right. So, um, you know, the, the med work is, is tourniquets, it's wound packing, it's chest seals, it's carries, it's a whole bunch of different things, uh, with the lights on and then also with the lights off. Right. So, yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. That's, that's kind of shocking. Uh, it, not shocking, but it's surprising. <laughs> like that's even less than a basic stop the bleed class. Um, in, in, in a lot of ways, which is, which is, which is crazy. Um, cool, yeah. cool. So let's get into, uh, kind of the topic of the day. Um, just kind of surrounding some low light stuff. I think we can delve into a bunch of stuff with, uh, both like equipment because that does matter. Um, Equipment is a, isn't everything, but it certainly makes the job easier. Um, and then uh, kind of some application stuff, some training stuff, uh, maybe some stuff that you're kind of seeing um, come through your classes and things like that. Um, first of all, let's just kind of touch on the um, importance, like why why carry weapon-mounted light, right? Um, we could talk about the application for cops. I think that's maybe a little bit easier uh, to understand for some people, but I'd also like to touch on uh, concealed carriers, right? Like everybody's yeah. got like EDC. Yeah. Right. And uh, some people kind of check out an EDC where um, like I carry 
a full-size gun, full-size weapon on light as my everyday carry every single day. Um, always uh, have carried like a full-size, uh, like a compact gun at the smallest. Um, and then I've been carrying the full-size five-inch for maybe three years. Um, and I've always had a full-size like TLR-1 or X300 or a mod light weapon mounted light on there. Um, and then in addition to handheld, right? So there's, yeah. and we're seeing that kind of both of those things, obviously for, uh, for the LE guys, and then also for the concealed carriers. So why do we need to be carrying about car carrying lights and why do we need to care about it um, in the first place? Uh, well, okay. So it, it comes down to, again, um, context, right? So LE guys versus concealed carrier, right? So we know there's a, a high percentage or high, high percentage of all small shooters during the low light, right? So which is 70% or higher. Sometimes it's 60, sometimes it's a little bit more, just depends where guys are pulling their stats from. But generally, right, it's looking at 70% or higher of officer-involved shootings, right? So, and that varies. Um, there are some guys that don't work nights at all. Okay, right, that just depends on seniority, where you are, et cetera. Uh, for sure. me, my experience rose, um, we were on rotations for two months. So two months on days, two months on nights, so we'd flip-flop like that. There's guys that are on nights for six months. There's guys that are not on nights like permanently on graves, right? Like they're they're living their best vampire life. Now, I don't know how they do it, right? So... Uh, and I know, and I have a lot of good buddies like that are that are doing that, and they're not divorced yet, right? And they're they're happily married. So I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Like you never see your family and, and whatnot. Maybe that's how. Maybe that's a key to it. Who knows, right? So, <laughs> uh, so it just it all depends, right? Uh, but regardless, whether I was working daytime or low light, I always had three lights on me generally, right? So I had my weapon on a light, uh, surefire, right, X200, and then, you know, follow the evolutions of that from the turbo and then mod light, et cetera, right? So always have some type of weapon on a light on, okay? And then I had two handheld lights. I had a working light or a fighting light, if you will, whatever you want to call it. And that was a, a handheld light that only had one mode and that was it. So just a straight high mode, right? Like when I need light, I need all of it. Now I don't want to have to go through high, through medium, through low, through red, blue, SOS. Like, like if you're running that for work, please don't. Not as a working light or a fighting light, okay? Uh, and then I had a secondary light in the case, in the event that my primary light went down or, or simply I just needed an admin light. So my task light, right? So I have a working light or fighting light and then I have a task light, right? So I have, I have two of those. So my task light was, hey, if I'm doing a um, inventory search inside the vehicle, right? I'm just I'm just looking for something in the back of my unit, and I'm not trying to like um, blind myself, if you will, inside or doing whatever I'm doing, right? So just something where I can go to low, right? That can still have the capability to go to medium to high. That's fine, but just sure. something that can go from low to medium, etc. Right? So always had three lights on me. And the, the crazy part about it is I had the guys on, on day shift like, ah, I don't need a handheld light or I don't need a weapon light because I'm on day shift. I'm like, bro, like, yes, we're in Texas. We generally don't have like basements and so forth, right? Uh, but there are plenty of houses that have boarded up uh, windows, right, that we go into um, or just uh, a think about it from a, a different setting where, hey, I'm in a daylight setting, but... I'm trying to broadcast light into a open structure door, right? Where it's it's still kind of dark in there, right? So can I use a handheld light or what mono light to broadcast from a daylight setting into a, a dark threshold to help me see a little bit, right? So it doesn't always have to be, don't always think of uh, you're only going to carry a handheld light or what mono light when it's completely dark outside or you're wearing or you're working night shift. It doesn't always um, work that way. And there's tons of videos showing that uh, on YouTube, right? Uh, AKA photonic barriers, if you will. Um, yeah. 
yeah, right. So for my LED guys, I would definitely say you need at least one hand handle light and you definitely need a look mono light because it also comes to think about injured shooter, right? So if one of my hands is messed up, how am I going to hold a handheld light when I don't have use of that hand, right? Generally, we're not always completely operating where it's complete darkness, right? Um, but I'd still like to have something versus nothing, right? So if I have a weapon on a light, I can just turn that thing constant on and then, hey, I have something versus nothing, right? When it comes down to like light on, light off, that's that's not a priority. A priority is working the gun, right? And just keep that thing on, constant on. It doesn't matter light on, light off at that, at that moment because you're already injured, you're fighting for your life. Like why make it harder on yourself? Why make it harder on yourself, right? So there's no need to do that. Um, right. And then for my concealed carry guys, yeah, you have a a less percent of chance of being involved in a, a shooting during low light conditions, but it can happen, right? Uh, and for the same reason why, even though you know, all my all my lifetime that I've been carrying a gun, I still carry a handheld light and weapon my light because, hey, who knows? Maybe I just forgot to charge my light, right? Or just the batteries just died, um, or I don't have use of the hand, right? Or I just want two good functioning hands on the handgun to run the weapon on the light, right? So I'd really have one, uh, right, uh, versus none, right? So the whole uh, saying of two is two is one, right? So yeah, comes down to that sure. for me at least, yeah. So it's something that's important enough to where. You like having a backup because between a weapon mounted light a weapon mounted light and a handheld light obviously we'll get into this a little bit more like in the nuances they have somewhat different applications but they're also there's crossover and it's something so you would say it's something important enough to have a backup oh yeah totally agree yeah so cool. I always have some type of backup right so just like having extra batteries on the job right can't have I mean you can have extra batteries in your bag right uh, but uh, either on your belt um, or your backpack or your unit or something, having some extra batteries in case they die. Um, it's always a good thing to do, right? So I'd rather have a backup or extra batteries to help me out in the case that, in the case of the event that it does die or something happens to it. Yep. For sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so kind of, kind of getting, kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit, right? So you, you mentioned this a little bit, some of the features that you're looking for, especially in your handhelds. So let's separate the talk into handhelds and then weapon on lights. Let's say handhelds first. Um, so handhelds, you said you've got one light that is, um, your fighting light, right? It's, yeah. um, it's all the lumens, all the candela, um, immediately, right? There's one mode, you push the button, you get all, all the lumens, right? Um, and then you've got another one that um, potentially has a lower setting. Maybe it has some like admin modes or whatever. Uh, maybe it's something that isn't potentially drawing as much power as maybe these big 18650s or something like that. Maybe it's got longer runtime, something like that. What are, um, go into that a little bit and tell, kind of, kind of help people figure out what you're looking for in each of those handhelds. And then we'll talk about webmount lights as well. Cool. So awesome, awesome question. Cause I love, I love talking about handheld lights. Um, yeah. If, if I had to choose between what I want to carry, it'd be a handheld light over a web mount light for sure. Like if I was okay. limited, limited on how much I could carry and let's say I just didn't have a holster yet that would allow me to, you know, carry a web mount light for sure. Handheld light because it's, it's so versatile what you can do with it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a uh, handheld light is, is I like to say is, is defensive in nature, but can also uh, switch to offensive in nature. So defensive in nature, meaning, Hey, the gun is, is not warranted to be out yet, but I can still use a handheld light to obviously search, navigate, do a whole bunch of different things, right. With the, with the handheld light. And then if I need to go offensive with it, well then obviously the guns out for whatever reason, 
and then I can use various different handheld-like techniques to help me PID control, et cetera. Right. So you can you can switch on the fly with a handheld light from a defensive stance, if you will, to an offensive stance. Right. So uh, I run the I've been running for years, or you know, since they've been out um, the mall light. I have the PLHV2 head on here. Right. So. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like there was a generation PLH, Justin probably talked better on this, right? Uh, but there was PLH that came out first, and then they had the OKW, right? And then essentially they had a baby, combined them together, right? So you get a good hot spot, good flood and spill. So you get, you get kind of the best of both worlds. So I run the V2 on uh, my handheld light. I have the V2 also on my monolight for my handgun. And then I have the OKW on my rifle, if I'm not mistaken uh but right so size wise size does kind of matter but you'll notice that it's kind of the perfect size right a little little four inch five inches is just all you need it'll, it'll get the job done okay all you need. uh yeah. <laughs> notice that's not too big and that's not too small right so uh perfect there and then if you want to run the uh i can always butcher it theorem theorem ring right or if you want to do a custom setup that's fine uh but the biggest thing really is a tail capped activation which most lights are tail capped um, there are some lights that have a, a front uh, activation. Uh, you see that more on uh, some stream lights that are patrol-based oriented. Uh, if you have that, not a problem. But the biggest thing uh, is a tail cap because this is going to allow me to hold the handheld light in a um, clinch grip, if you will, ice pick method, right? So this is a good position to be in. Uh, and then this uh, tail cap allows it to be momentary um, or constant on. So it has both features. So I like to have a tail cap that does both. I had a couple handheld lights that only did momentary, uh, which just wasn't my jam. Or you had to rotate the tail cap to lock it uh, to uh, constant on, which I didn't like either because generally you don't have time to do that, right? Um, from my experience, whether that's on a flat range or in real life, I generally don't have time to like sit there and turn it, okay? So tail cap that does both, I'm cool with that. Um, and then it's strictly high and high only, right? So there's no low, medium setting on this. I know Molite is coming out with some new heads that are programmable, if I'm not correct, Jay? Already out, actually. Yeah, yep. so they're already out, right? So if you're into that, cool, right? So you can save a little bit of money, just replace the head on, let's say, if you have an extra body, and then you're good to go. Uh, but this is what I run on patrol. This is what I carry uh, when I'm not on patrol. When I, This is what I teach with. This is my go-to light. Uh, that I've been using for a long time, right? And I have, I have a couple extras, but yeah, this is what I do. What's the I've white been, tape for? I'm yeah, just going to so, ask for the viewers. What's the yeah, white tape for? So this is actually glow in the dark tape. So um, and so during the day, it's, you know, obviously absor absor absorbing the sun. So at nighttime, right, um, you can see it. Uh, it's not as bright as it used to be because it's been on there a while. But the biggest thing, it gives me some contrast. So if I ever drop it at night or if I'm teaching or whatever the case is, at least I have something to contrast. Um, so I just put a little bit here. I'll see you guys run a full strip around, right? Uh, whether that's on the body or the head. Um, I, I'll see you guys paint their handheld lights orange, red, something visible so they can see it. Um, and it doesn't have to be black just because we're working in a low light environment doesn't mean we're going to be ninjas and all my stuff like cannot be high vis like if i need my light and i drop it like i'd like to be able to see it uh especially if let's say it shuts off and i cannot see it for whatever reason like i'd like to have some type of contrast um you know refraction you're, break, or you're breaking some hearts brian come on now. yeah <laughs> i mean so uh, that's what i do uh it's cheap you can buy a roll of, of uh, glow in the dark tape 
And you'll see this a lot on all my equipment, on my mags, on my ear pro, um, my weapon mono lights on the, on the bottom of the weapon mono light, right? Because here's the thing, like if a piece of gear falls, right? Uh, and, and it's at a class, like somebody's gonna pick it up and be like, oh, it's mine. And I'm like, no, it's not, bro. Like <laughs> that's mine because I know it has glow in the dark tape on it. <laughs> yeah, Brennan, we've we've had we've had many sessions at my range where we've dropped mags or shot timers or staplers or something, and it always gets lost until the next time we go out. Yeah, every man. time. Yeah. Like if you drop yeah. it, it. I'm usually it's driving home. I'm like, yo, Justin, I don't have, I don't have a mag, and he's he's like, all right, I'll look for it in the morning. <laughs> and then sometimes I don't find it. Yeah, and then I, he doesn't buy mags. So. I may or may not have a couple extra mags that were a little uh, rusty. That right. you dropped your you dropped your mod light at uh, the range one time. I can't remember what that was before a match or something. You remember that? And it was, it was super cold. It was totally frosted over. Um, it, it yeah, was out it was, there for like a week or something. Oh, dang, it was. Man. It was, and yeah. it, it was still working. And uh, yep. the battery was was. I still had some charge in it and everything. Yep. Um, but I have I have backup lights too. So, um. Yeah, Brian, uh, the class five years ago or whatever it was, uh, he had Brian had us putting freaking glow in the dark tape on everything. <laughs> That's right. Dude. <laughs> he, he was just he, he was just standing there with a roll. He's just ripping pieces off. He's like tape for you, tape for you. People were like putting it on everything. They're yeah, like freaking. Oh my word! Like oh, uh, it's funny you bring that up. I was talking to Max the other day, um, and he's like, "Dude, I still have like mud, like in like deep in like somewhere in my mag carrier." He's like. Like from that, because it was super, like, of course it rained that class, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it was super muddy out there, dude. In the pit, dude. Oh, that was, gosh. uh, that was that good North Carolina, uh, red clay. That stuff yeah. was, that stuff was nasty. I, I had just gotten, I think I'd just gotten my gun stippled and, yeah, uh, I think you did, yeah. m just packed mud inside of that thing. And like, I don't think the mud ever really came out. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was a good time raining and uh raining and dark and kind of chilly too as i remember yeah. but man that sounds um, like a ton of fun which is kind yeah. of the best time to do a little light if you ask me like a little bit like chilly a little bit of rain okay right as long as it's not a tsunami but i'd rather do that versus like low light when it's freaking hot outside and it's like 11 p.m and it's still like 90 degrees like come on bro mm, yeah <laughs> that's true that's true yeah, although the bugs the, all the mosquitoes although I, I really don't that, like uh, the rain i don't like the rain I think yeah. I'd rather take the heat, but, um, okay, cool. So, um, how about your, how about your, uh, admin light? What is, what does that look like? What are you, what are you running for that? What are you looking for? Admin light, uh, can be almost maybe the same size, a little bit smaller. Right. Um, but something that can still go from a low to high. Uh, so I'll still run that. Um, and then my admin light right now is a surefire, um surefire edc2 i forgot the, the the acronym the number right so that's what i have right now um as as a backup right so quick easy replace the battery so that's what i have as a backup uh but you run anything you want right so you can run another mod light um if you're already rocking a surefire streamer that's cool too uh just something that you know that you're going to carry uh on you and you're not going to be like i don't want to carry another light because it's bulkier than my my fighting light or whatever it is right mm. so Carry something that's going to be able to, you can stow away in your pocket. Uh, maybe put, uh, you know, on your plate carry, depends, whatever, whatever setup you're running for patrol. Um, if you're more concealed carry, um, I just generally carry one handheld light. I'm not carrying two handheld lights. I'm just, you know, risk versus reward. I can only carry so many things in my pockets as, as it is. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of wearing like, um, 
a lot of pockets on my pants, right? So I run pretty slick, pretty slick setup, if you will. Wranglers, Vertex, something, something, something kind of low pro, if you will. Uh, you don't, so yeah. you don't wear cries just like every day. No, no, like it, it's shame, oh, man. shame, Brian. <laughs> Come on, you're oh, like sure. really not giving the people what they want. Okay, so oh, we're gonna have to discuss this offline. Um, yeah, okay, so just kind of pretty much, pretty much that one is uh, can pretty much be whatever you want. It's not gonna yeah. be the go to. I need light now. Um, programmable, probably a little bit of a plus there, perhaps. Um, I yeah, know a lot of yeah. guys like stilettos. Stilettos are pretty good too, as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. I know, I know. Um, Justin used you used to run a stiletto uh, back in the day. Um, Enjoy that quite yep. a bit. Yep, it's pretty, 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 pretty awesome light. Um, Justin, let's just get this out of the way because I know people will ask us as well. Uh, what do you What do you run for for lights and stuff? Yeah, so I actually just started carrying. So I work for Modlight, for those of you who may not know that. Um, so I'm a little biased, so take that for what it's worth. Um, but um, Modlight is actually coming out with uh, some new compact heads here. Um, these were released at SHOT Show just recently. Um, not totally sure when these will come out. We're hoping for like Q2, Q3. Um, but these little compact heads are pretty sweet on a little 18350 body right here. So this mm. is actually something I just recently started carrying. Um, it has uh, a high and a high low. Um, I like that personally. Uh, you can program it to just be high. Um, but for, for me, I use admin modes all the time because I, I don't want to pull up my phone to, or anything like that. Cause, um, I like to have a dedicated light that I can use for stuff like that. But I also don't need, you know, 54,000 candela 1350 lumens just to look for my keys when i drop them right um at the range or something uh so you kind of kind of do the old you know finger diffuser type <laughs> thing um and so my light just recently came out with some multi-mode um heads which is super convenient something i really like and appreciate um so i'm carrying this as my handheld light and then for um a weapon mounted light i am carrying a streamlight tlr7 uh it's super super compact like carrying it i carry it on a uh uh, Smith and Wesson, um, MMP four inch. So, um, uh, like I said, my light's coming out with a compact head and a compact PL 350 body, uh, but they're not out yet. So I'm not running that for right now, but yeah, streamlight TLR seven is a weapon light. And, um, this is the PLH V two compact head on an 18350 body. Nice. But the, uh, the weapon mounted light, the new one with a compact head, that'll still be, That'll still be pretty close to like a full size weapon mount light. It's not going to be like the size of the TLR seven or anything like that, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's still going to be. It's a little shorter than an X three hundred, but it's still okay. like a full size light. Um, okay. Cool. It's a little shorter than our standard, uh, like PL three fifty. This thing is pretty large. Um, I could never carry this personally for a concealed carry. Um, IWB. I could. I could never do it. Um, but yeah, the compact light will be a little bit better for that, but it's still not anywhere close to like a TLR seven or or anything like that. So probably won't make a big difference for like Safari Land bucket holsters, but it'll be a little bit more friendly for inside the waistband, mm-hmm. digging into your thigh type type deal. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, very much the same as you guys. I have played around with a bunch of different web model or um, sorry, handheld lights, uh, just because. I think they're cool, um, and there's been some pretty cool options that have come out on the market. The only one that I don't, uh, the only company I think that I don't own a light from, uh, a handheld light from, is Cloud Defense. I have one of their um, 
their rifle lights. Um, but I've played with a lot of my buddies, um, MCHs. Um, go to for me, yeah, mod light PLH V2. Um, I think this is hard to yeah. beat, Brian. Like you said, I think it has a perfect amount of spill um, versus hot spot. Like this thing still has a tremendous hot spot. Yeah. Um, as bright as I've ever needed for anything. Um, Theorem. Uh, switchback also super easy to just grab this out of my pocket i can get this out of my pocket about as fast as i can get my gun out of a holster so um it's, it's just super super convenient i think that's a really good way to go i like carrying the 18650 as well i tend to use my light quite a bit um and i feel like i use up the battery pretty fast as it is um so i like the runtime and then like you brian i've got extra batteries all the time so my edc bag my truck it's always got two or three or four um 18650 batteries always charged ready to go and then i've got my charger sitting right here on the desk desk next to me and i'm uh i've pretty much always got a battery on the charger as well so uh i think yeah good call on that we're all kind of carrying something similar in in the pocket um the uh yeah, Which I just carry one. You, like it's a testament of the product itself, too, right? Like one hundred percent. A lot of guys carrying pretty much almost the same setup. So one hundred percent. Close second for me is the EDC two uh, turbo from Surefire. So this is kind of a new light that I know they came out with a while ago, but I don't think they've yeah. started shipping for uh, a minute. Um, Andrew over at Surefire hooked me up with this a, a while back. So I was really happy to kind of get some time on this. This thing is actually a super phenomenal light, very comparable performance of the mod lights. I like this a lot. The only thing that is, um, uh, you know, it, it's got the multi-mode as well uh, with this thing. Um, and I don't think you can program that out. So that's maybe the only negative uh, potentially, but this thing is awesome. And it's got reverse pocket clip. I do like carrying a light that has a reverse pocket clip so I can stick it onto my hat. I've had to change tires in the dark and stuff like that. And it just beats like trying to hold a, like a big mod light um, in your mouth. that doesn't really work too mm. well. So mm, uh, baby. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. So cool. Kind of, <laughs> kind of same thing. If I've got only got to carry one light, I want it to be powerful for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, cool. So little hack, um, by the way, before we move on, go ahead. if you're running uh, any theorem uh, products, you can actually reverse the clip so that it is reverse clip. So then you can stick it on your hat like that. If you're ever. Damn. You, yeah. Mine's, mine's blown. Yeah, so I don't know if you knew that or not, but you can just totally reverse it super easily and uh, look at look at B up there. He's like, I had no idea. He's like, whoa! <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, I don't really believe you though because <laughs> you just showed it. What do you mean? I do not. I feel it. like that'd be stupid. Then my clip is sticking <laughs> out like this. All right. Well, this this is this is on the low profile EDC clip uh, from Theorem. Um, I believe oh, yeah, you. It, I believe it still works on the switchback as well. It may not be quite <laughs> as optimal, like... but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> why yeah. is my light this way <laughs> i i really want to go try that now i'm like i need to Listen, go double you just time. have to turn your hat around backwards okay? yeah. and like it's not that hard all right um uh so okay. so so pro tip uh on that too um uh, things you could carry that may help you out right whether it's in the class or you're changing a, a flat tire or whatever uh carry a headlamp with you right go a headlamp in your yes. bag I have a headlamp uh, in your training bag, so I run a headlamp all the time uh, when I'm teaching, right? Uh, or if I'm on patrol, I have it in my bag there. But so yeah, if I'm doing med work on somebody, right? I just put the headlamp on or wear it as, wear it as a necklace. I just turn it on. I do whatever I'm doing, um, changing a flat tire, right? Headlamp, bro. It'll save you, <laughs> save you so much. Headlamps yep. are the move. 
Head, yes. head, headlamps are absolutely necessary just as a human being. Like you don't have to be a, a concealed carrier yeah, or nah. like an instructor. You literally should own a headlamp. You should own five headlamps and just keep mm-hmm. them everywhere because they are like the most utilitarian thing. On they're cheap, planet. man. Like you can go to like Home Depot and buy you like a two pack for like, I don't know, 10 bucks or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It doesn't need to be like Prison Tech or something fancy. Just right. something that's going to give you some lumens, right? Like it'd be fine. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Even, yeah, even when I wear my helmet, right? Like night vision stuff, I've got that little side light or whatever, the yeah. Prison Tech, yeah. and that thing's always on and off, like checking targets, loading mags, whatever it is, right? Because, yeah, um, yeah, little little admin lights are awesome. Um, okay, very cool. Uh, I imagine the um, criteria for looking for a good weapon-mounted light are going to be very similar to your handheld fighting light, right? You want all the lumens right away. Not really multi, multi-mode on weapon-mounted lights anyways. Um, yeah. You said you're running... Now, so what weapon-mounted light are you running on your pistol currently? Uh, so uh, so I'm, running, I'm running both. I'm running the mod light, right? Uh, the Gen 2s. And then I'm also running the Surefire Turbo. So okay. um, I think they're both fantastic. Um, you know, super similar performance, very similar performance, right? So, uh, they both, you know, you can buy the surefire rechargeable batteries, um, and then model obviously is rechargeable, so you're fine there. Um, just depends what you kind of like a little bit more, right? Real on you, but very similar performance. Uh, the switch activation, uh, is a little bit obviously easier on the model light on the surefires, even when they're kind of been worn in, they're still stiff, which is cool. Some guys like that as well, so just really. Depends on you, what you like. Maybe if you like more of a little bit stiffer activation on a Surefire. Um, not that it, not that it's hard, right? Um, and then the Molite is, is easier, in my opinion, to, to activate. Um, as far as, like, there's a lot of just smooth motion in the activation um, versus um, the Surefire. But it all comes down to training and reps, you know, in, in, sure. the, in the end game there. So uh, I run both. I'm a big fan of both. Um, just like with anything, I want a light that is just as capable um for the platform so if i'm running a handgun always i'm going to run a handgun with my light if i'm running a rifle i'm going to run a rifle with my light uh depending on again how much space you have you know if i'm running a 10.5 or if i'm running a 13.7 whatever right but i still would like a rifle with my light um on a rifle now you can obviously change body sizes and heads and so forth right uh, but I'm not a fan of running a handgun weapon on a light on a rifle um, platform. So, um, yeah. And then all I change on the Surefire is I change the uh, the switchology, right? The activations on the left and the right. I run the Filster arc switches, and I think oh, I right. run the I think I run the medium on both, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I do that um, because it gives me a little bit more um, contact, right? So when I'm activating the light, and then also for injured shooter aspects if i ever needed to rock the light off of an environment because let's say i don't have functioning use of this hand um right um and yeah you can obviously activate with your index finger for sure uh but sometimes we see guys slip into the trigger guard and nd into something or someone they don't want to do um so sometimes i'll just show guys hey how to activate a work model light by rocking off the environment so that could be a tire that could be a vehicle. That could be potentially another injured arm where I'm rocking that off of. It can be a whole bunch of different things. Uh, just depends on the environment. So I'll run those on the Surefire because it gives me, again, a little bit more um, space to do that. Uh, on the Mod Light, you're fine. You don't need to do that because they, they already have pretty good size switches for the Mod Light. So 
Um, I think I, gonna, I think I've seen you run some like grip tape on your holster, yeah, like your spiraling yeah, yeah. holster as well. Yeah. 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 So I, I'll get like a piece of uh, skate tape, right? Uh, and go to Home Depot, just some some aggressive tape on there, right? Um, and then I put like a, a good size on there on the side of it. Now it's dependent on on policy and what guys can do. Uh, for, for me, I've always been a, <laughs> a policy breaker, right? Because uh, I'm like, it's my life, bro. You know what I mean? So, um, so I'll put it on the side of the holster and it kind of acts as a scratch pad. So think of uh, the Wapamana Light as a, um, why is it leaving my head right now? As a, as a match, right? And so as I strike down on the uh, grip tape off the side of the holster, that's a good like bite purchase off the for the off the switchology of the weapon on a light, and that'll activate nine out of ten times. If I don't put a skate tape on the side of it, and I'm running a slick holster, right? That's not Cordura wrapped. Um, you'll see the activation maybe five out of ten times, right? So it's not it's a very smooth surface. But if I run the Cordura wrap or I put the skate tape there, it's going to give it a good bite, right? So. It's just so another option. That, like r- right up here on the front corner type deal or like on the side? On the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some guys will run, some guys will do it off the top of the holster, which is fine, but it's a very kind of thin piece, right? So I'd rather use that flat big surface yeah. and just rock just rock straight down and out aggressively. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. like that. Yeah, there it's you kinda go. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember you talking about that in our class too, right? So yeah. like um that was that was something I'd never thought of. Um, if you have Cordura wrap, does that generally give you enough grip? That's generally like enough, yeah. Um, yeah. And you feel like it's not enough, just throw a piece of skate tape on there. Sure. It's not going to be on there permanently, sure. all right. Um, it'll be, right. So, just another option for you, right? So maybe um, I can't do it with my next finger for whatever reason. Maybe I'm not running a GG switch, right? Uh, some guys are a fan of GG switches, the Devgru switch. Some guys aren't. Um, I've tried a couple times to get used to it, but I've just never been a big fan of the DG switch. It just always felt weird to have that little, the little nub kind of on the grip frame there. So I just never liked it. Um, guys are like, Hey, but if I, if I grip, grip the gun, my light's going to turn on or my light's going to get dirty. I'm like, bro, like take your battery out, right? Put something over the lens. Like there, it's so, there's such easy fixes for that. So that shouldn't be a problem of like not to run a DG switch, right? Uh, but for me, I just never could get used to the feel of it. So I just didn't run it, but a DG yeah. switch is great for injured shooter for sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Kind of a cheat, kind of a cheat code. If you've only got one hand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, for sure. and then rocking the, uh, monolite off the holster is just an option. It's not the go-to option, but it's just an option, you know, to give guys something different to think about or play around with, um, in the event that they might want to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah have, have the option available so you can pull it out if you need it, right? Yeah, and if you like it, cool. And if you're like, that's super gay, that's cool too. You know what I mean? Like, I'm cool about it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's uh, that's what techniques are for, right? Like, um, that's where I think it's valuable to learn different techniques um, because it's a tool in the toolbox. Is it the, um, is it the end-all, be-all? No, like the principle is... Uh, in that case, it's like get your light on, right? So you can see yeah. what you're what you're trying to shoot. Um, I think it's the same in in any part of shooting, right? It's like, hey man, I've got to get my dot to be more stable on this target. Um, well, there's a lot of different things you can do to achieve that. What are you doing right now? Well, I'm moving and shooting. Okay, well, here's what you can do to settle your dot down. Maybe your dot's moving a lot on target. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm standing still. 
okay, well, that might be a completely different thing that we're going to do to try to, you know, try to get your dot to settle down. Maybe it's probably not a matter of lowering your weight or rolling your weight back onto your heels, right? If you're standing yeah. still, it's probably something going on with your, with your grip or something or something else. So, um, yeah, techniques are, are always, they're an option to, uh, get you to accomplish the goal that you're trying to. And that's, um, I think that that carries over whether it's defensive or tactical or competitive performance, whatever. Um, yeah. For and, sure. and, and Brian, I remember when you were on Mark, uh, Mark Smith's, uh, JBS training group podcast recently. And I heard you guys talking about, so Mark says, uh, you know, he, he actuates, you know, his handheld or his weapon on the light with his pointer finger. Yeah. And so then he was like, you know, is that something you recommend? And you were like, no, not generally. But the thing is, the difference is that Mark is someone who trains. And so someone, mm -hmm. if you have someone who trains extensively, like maybe they can train to do that. And, but like from your side of things, like, you know, teaching Ellie and, and seeing a lot of these OISs of maybe, you know, officers ending or whatever. Um, would you say that like how, how much someone trains can potentially be a determining factor of what kind of method they should use or can use? Oh yeah, definitely. Right. So, I mean, if, if you have unlimited time, unlimited resources, you can train anybody to do anything you want. Right. For sure. Now for limited on how much, uh, again, time and resources that we can invest into our people. I mean, the, the sad truth, that's, it's just a, that's a reality, right? So guys for low light are generally maybe getting about four hours every year if they're getting low light training. Wow. So that's not very much, not very much. So if they're not dry firing, if they're not taking uh, low light training on their own uh, or just, you know, practicing on their own and they're only getting four hours, four hours of, uh, of low light training every year, every other year, uh, there's a good chance they're not going to perform how they think they're going to perform, right? Um, and so forth, right? So I'm a big fan of activating the weapon model light with my support hand when I'm able to do that. If I have two functioning hands, generally my go-to, uh, and even even me, like I have a lot of experience, right? Uh, still, my generally go-to is going to be activating with support hand. Um, because all I'm trying to do is protect my legacy, uh, uh, protect the people that I'm training their legacy as well, right? To avoid potentially ending into someone, right, that they don't mean to do that, uh, whether that's in a training environment or in a real life environment, because under stress, right, especially, again, experience is a big thing for sure. Uh, but guys, I don't have as much training time, experience, et cetera, right, under a startle response. And it even happens to experience guys for sure as well, because I, I can show you videos of that happening to full-time SWAT team dudes, et cetera, and not that SWAT's like the end all be all, right? Uh, but just just it shows you a different uh, level of skill set versus a patrol based dude, right? So just a little bit different skill set, uh, but it happens to everybody, right? So under some type of startle response, there's a good chance if I try to activate with my index finger, I may slip into the trigger guard, right? As I'm trying to activate the switchology, and it depends on again uh, the switchology switchology setup. Surefire is a little stiffer compared to a mod light or streamlight, etc. Uh, you'll see guys slip and then they'll ND and then you'll immediately hear, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Sorry if I can't cuss my bad. No, right, you're good. You'll, you're good. You'll, you'll immediately hear that. So that tells you yep. what. You messed what, up. They, they, they didn't mean to do that, right? They were trying yeah. to activate their wolf amount of light, right? So, yep. uh, dude, if I can avoid that, like I'd like to, so I'm a big fan of activating with support hand, right? So I'm, you're either going to rock up, right? A thumb down. It just depends on your light setup. That way, constant on, right? I'm not worried about momentary. I'm just turning that thing constant on, right? Establish a two-handed grip, 
do work. And then after that, I can worry about light on, light off, whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do the exact same. I, I, uh, see if I can get this on camera here. I do the exact same thing. I roll my, or activate with my thumb, yeah. support hand thumb, and then roll back with my, yeah. my pointer finger. I think Brennan, you do the same thing. Exactly yep. the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, I think the light makes, does make a big difference as well, right? Like I think that method down with the thumb knuckle up to go off is, um, like probably the easiest way to run the surefire lights, but the mod light, um, with the, with the new improved switches, even the TLR ones, those switches are a lot lighter. And so it's a lot easier to activate yeah. maybe with your in index finger. But like, I have a very hard time reliably getting enough pressure to do that with my index finger. And then when I try to go off, I almost always push up, pass off and back on. Right. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it it definitely matters what you're running, but that's exactly why you need to be training and 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 putting in time with it. So, um, very cool. And then what um, you'll what you'll see also with support hand momentary. So guys are mm -hmm. doing support hand momentary, right? Uh, yep. Is now they're worried about grip besides trigger, but they're also worried about hey, am I putting enough pressure inwards, especially on a surefire, right? Am I putting enough yeah. pressure inwards to keep it momentary? And then generally they don't. And what you'll see is the light on, light off, light on, light off, light on, light off, right? They'll do that unwanted strobe effect while they're shooting, especially during a high aggressive string of fire. Um, not that it's the end of the world, but I'm just kind of getting somewhat buffered information, um, right? Why make it harder than myself, especially if I've never been in the OIS, right? I'm like, sure. Just, just turn that thing on, constant on if it's available and then do work. Sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's a good thing that probably applies over to kind of the concealed carriers um, mission, if you will, right? Or or or, or situation that they might find themselves in. Like, I'm sorry, uh, the use case for weapon mounted light for uh, let's say cops and concealed carriers in the states is a lot different, maybe than um, like Delta operators in the Middle East for the last few years, right? So um, maybe they're doing something super offensive. They're on and off the lights all the time. I think for the most part, from the data we're seeing, once a light comes on, there's really no reason for it to be on and off, on and off a whole bunch. Like, yeah. gotta see something. The light comes on, um, and uh, I, I think you and I were having that conversation the other day. Um, the light comes on, it stays on finish the job that you started and um and the light, lights will go off when we don't need them anymore right yeah, yeah and just two different mission sets right One yeah, and, and from from a performance standpoint right <laughs> like you know brendan and i we come from a concealed carry like performance standpoint or perspective um i personally have never and brian you already kind of touched on this but i have never been able to complete even a string of like five or six rounds with momentary without that strobe yeah effect going on with that light um and like i'm someone who trains a ton and i shoot a lot and i still am, am not able to achieve that so you get someone that maybe doesn't train as much like and would and we can get into this a little bit later as far as like training and application but you know from a concealed carry standpoint or maybe even an le standpoint drawing your gun and firing like a a, a string of multiple several rounds um is is quite common and so being able to have that light constant on and that way you can just 100% focus on your grip and being able to deliver accurate, you know, fire quickly. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of what we want. Yep. It's exactly the name of the game. Right. Yep. Yep. Right. So even same thing, I struggle with that too. Like I've had the same experience you've had, right. And I shoot a lot too as well. So, 
Um, not a fan of trying to prog prog program that into guys that are just aren't going to be training realistically. If I only get four hours, I'm going to use that time um, and those resources as best as I can to train them what they're going to do under human response. Right. So, yeah, sure. So let's get into, let's get into training a little bit. I think this is a good segue. So, um, couple different training questions. So the first one I'm going to say for the guys who have a choice, and I think this is maybe specifically for like your CCW or right. Um, a lot of people, it's funny. I've seen this debate kind of go back and forth quite a bit since I started carrying guns and shooting guns weapon mounted light or not for concealed carry. Um, and for when I started, it was like, I mean, I'll just say it like Aaron Cowan was out there going weapon mounted lights are mandatory. Right. And so, um, I was like, hell yeah, brother. So I put a weapon mounted light on every gun I had. Um, and it was like, I'm never, ever going to carry without it. Um, it gets dark, right. For all the reasons we talked about why it's valuable to have a light. Um, and then I think handhelds got really popular and people started doing handheld flexes and right. And there's, you know, fancy new lights coming out and people started ditching the weapon mounted lights. Right. And yeah. some really squared away people that I, uh, respected maybe at the time, um, were saying, you know, definitely you don't need a concealed, you know, a, a concealed carry gun to have a weapon mounted light. You don't need these super powerful X 300s or TLR ones, something like that. Um, and then the smaller lights didn't have enough power to be useful at all was the argument that I was getting. Um, so just carry a powerful handheld light. Don't worry about the weapon mounted light at all for your concealed carry pistol. Um, because you know, you're not clearing houses, you're not going into these, you know, types of environments where you're really going to need that. And then the, of course the, the stat would get thrown out. Well, what are the, you know, how often do we see these civilian involved shootings, um, or defensive uses of, of, of the handgun in a low light environment where they're employing a weapon mounted light and the stats are, uh, very, very low. So, yeah. What do you, what do you kind of say towards that? I mean, I have my own opinions. Um, obviously you saw my carry gun. It's got a light on it. Justin's gun has a light on it and we both carry handhelds. I think all three of us, that's kind of the, the, the EDC or for you off duty carry, um, setup. What do you say to those people who are kind of like, well, it's just the comfort's not there. So I'm just going to carry handheld. Are there any training considerations that we've got to take if we're going to go that route, et cetera? Uh, yeah, so there's kind of a lot that goes into that. So let me let me tell you real quick what I carry, so in case anybody cares. Uh, so I've carried a Glock 17. So um, I've carried a, um, a Glock 17 that used to be a um, Roland Special, right? So I had various various different comps on there, right? With uh, with a Surefire or Mod Light, right? Uh, Mod Light was not at the time, but so Surefire, but various different comps, right? So I carried that thing. Uh, right now, took off the barrel, so it's just the, my standard Glock 17 with a Surefire Turbo, right? Uh, I carry a uh, Walther PDP as well, a 4.5 uh, with a Surefire Turbo, and then I also carry a 2011 a Staccato P with a, a Mall Light on there, right? So for me, like it doesn't like I'm comfortable carrying big guns, so like it, it's not it's not a not an issue for me. Um, so it's going to come down to obviously for my concealed carry guys having a good belt setup for sure having a good holster that can help support you do that for sure as well. Um, I carry uh, two holsters right now. I carry one from uh, LAS and then also carry a uh, tier one uh, MSP. Uh, I think I forgot the exact model number, right? So the MSP one, right? So yeah. uh, shout out to uh, my other Asian brother over there. All right. So, um, so yeah. I carry those. Yeah. So I carry those um, and then uh, handheld light 
and then always have a wolf model light on me. Um, I don't carry anything without a wolf model light. Um, not because I don't want to, it's just because I'm so used to carrying wolf model lights on all my guns from probably from patrol base, right? Mentality. I've always had that on there. So like, it'd be super weird to not carry a wolf model light. Right. So that's kind of my, like, I would say my, my experience on that. Um, but really, man, like, just like what people say, like, carry what you want to carry. Like, if you want a full-size gun or if you want a four and a half or a compact, like, whatever. You want to carry 2011, you want to carry a Glock, cool. Um, right. Yeah, and like I said earlier, if I had to choose one, it'd be a handheld light for sure. Uh, but if you can carry both, like, why not? Like, you're, you're, you may be a little bit uncomfortable, right, initially, especially if it's new to you. Um but you'll get comfortable and you also you also build in a redundancy or fail safe in case your handheld light dies or in case your weapon model light dies well should at least i have one light versus yeah. no light and yeah the likelihood of you needing a weapon model light uh stateside concealed carry is very low right um but i'd hate to be i'd hate to fall in the percentage of like hey that was me like where i needed it and i didn't have it Right, the, you mean, the, you mean the I can't if. use my iPhone yeah, light? Yeah, exactly. Light? Right, so <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to be that stat, man. Like I'm gonna make yeah. this uh, popular now. <laughs> oh man, I mean, God forbid, right? God forbid that. God forbid it's you and you're with your family, or you're not with your family, mm -hmm. right? But like, man, you know what I mean? I like it just depends on you, bro. So I, I would carry both. That's my thing. Um, but if you had to only carry one, handheld light for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I, I like that. I, my, my philosophy is, is very much the same. Um, I don't think you're wrong if you don't carry a, a light on your gun. Um, but I do think that, uh, the downside to it, like maybe a little bit of comfort, um, is it's a small price to pay. Um, yeah. if you, if you do need that weapon on light one day, um, I know that I know my capabilities being able to shoot with a proper two handed grip. Um, I also know my capabilities with single hand um, and um, or just like a compromised um, grip, right? Um, yeah, I would much rather shoot with both hands on the gun in a proper grip if I can and have that weapon on light doing its job uh, than having to manage, you know, a handheld and a single hand uh, on the gun for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. With the training thing, I think um, one thing that I see a lot that I uh, I try not to I try I try to do a good job of not just uh, being a dick and calling people out all the time. <laughs> but um, these guys that they, they carry that that even advocate against weapon mounted lights, I see them doing a lot of training at the range with two hands on the gun, right? And I don't see a lot of single hand training. Um, I'm not saying that like you have to train for a night shoot, right? Especially just as like a concealed carrier. But I do think you need to be like majorly squared away with your single hand shooting and know exactly what you can and cannot do um, with one hand. And then also navigating that uh, weapon light in your uh, offhand um, in some way, getting, getting the light on target, getting the gun on target, getting effective rounds on target. Um, that is something that I think takes a fair amount of practice. Um, I mean, Justin at, at matches, you and I see the single hand stages, probably the most amount of mics thrown on any stage is, is any stage that involves single hand shooting. Right. Yep. I mean, even with big, heavy open 2011s, right. Like they don't move. 
people still throw mics because they just they never shoot with just one hand. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think that will also need to kind of inform your training a little bit if that's kind of your go-to. Like, yeah, no, no light on the gun for me. Cool. Like, that's fine. Just make sure you're training with uh, with the setup that you do have. Oh yeah, right. So uh, especially when it comes to patrol based, you'll see the most common law enforcement engagement to date is a handhold light, right? So a handhold light, handgun uh, around a vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of our most common states on law enforcement engagement to date. Um, handheld light, handgun around a vehicle, just because by the nature of our work, right? Generally, uh, traffic enforcement, uh, maybe we're proactive, sure. right? We're in a proactive unit and so forth. Um, generally, we're, generally, we're not approaching cars to do a traffic stop with a handgun uh, already out. Generally, we're not like, hey, like, show me your license. Like, no, it's generally not how it goes, right? So it generally starts in a handheld light position and then it evolves into, hey, getting the handgun out. So what I start with is generally what I end with. So what you'll see is a lot of guys start with a handheld light and they generally end the gunfight, right? With a handheld light in mm -hmm. their hand and a handgun. Now there's sometimes where guys eventually do drop the handheld light, but that takes time for them to process like, Hey, I have a handheld light. I need to drop this and then go to two hands on the gun, activate my weapon mount light. If I have a weapon mount light, uh, believe it or not, there are still some departments that are not issuing weapon mount lights um crazy i know it's right? crazy but, to me but for the really it comes down to uh liability because somebody in that department right did something that they weren't supposed to do with that weapon of light mm -hmm. directing traffic they indeed into somebody right or something right so they're like the department was like hey man like no we're just gonna can the whole department from issuing weapon of lights so the only guys who get them are like specialized units like swat or whoever right but my basic patrol guys like nah we ain't about it so i'm like come on man right so they're really out there directing uh, traffic with their pistol uh, like dude on, it, there's been all kinds of stories right so we can't you can't make this stuff up i wish i could remember all of them right um uh where's it going with it yeah so generally guys start with a handheld light and what you start with is what you end with right so uh because of human anatomy a thing called inner limb coordination under stress under uh you know or start a response guys will clinch onto what they're holding like oh fuck, right so they'll clinch onto that and then once they have time and to really process what's going on they solve the problem right you name it they let go or they don't let go but they're like oh shit, like i had my phone in my hand Right. Oh shit. I had my radio in my hand this whole entire time. Or I had my taser. I had a pin in my hand while I was shooting. Right. I had a clipboard in my hand, you name it. Right. So, um, that just applies, uh, to every human being across the board. Right. So from a patrol base aspect, uh, to my regular Joe's carrying off duty, my concealed carry guys. Right. Um, maybe you haven't practiced a lot of one hand shooting, but you should, because in the off chance that, when you get into some type of encounter, it may not always start initially as a gunfight, but something happened, right? Um, you know, you got into a fight, you're, uh, you're doing jits on the ground, whatever's going on, right? Um, sure. Or you just, you got startled and you held onto your phone or your keys um, or your groceries or whatever it may be, right? So, right. Uh, or maybe it's your handheld light, right? Who knows? Um, but that's the thing, right? So uh, I shoot obviously a lot of one-handed shooting uh, because I do a lot of low light applications. But then also because uh, matches, right? And I know they do a lot of uh, single hand shooting stuff as well. So definitely don't want to suck up at. So, you know, a lot of people don't want to practice uh, what they're not good at. 
uh, but it just makes you better, man, right? You don't have to hit it every range session, but at least sure, does at least do it every other range session, right? Sure, yeah. Dry fire. Yes, yeah. Dry fire is probably the where people like all shooting, where people are going to see the biggest gain is something that they really, really suck at when it comes to the when it comes to the mechanics of anything. Um, yeah. Like a lot of people, probably the biggest thing I see. Um, other than recoil management is finding their dot or finding their sights on the presentation. Like that's 100% fixable in dry fire in like a week, right? If you, if you hammered out single hand only stuff for a week, presentations, finding your dot on the, on the draw or on a presentation. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's not going to get significantly better from that in five days, seven days of just working that dry, finding that dot. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just but like it's easy, 10 minutes, easy right? It doesn't have to be like, like I used to, I'm sure you guys are the same. I used to fall into the, not the trap, but for lack of better words, like, um, I would dry fire for like an hour, two hours. Right. And then like when I first, when I first started, like, it's like, oh man, like I put in a lot of work. Right. But then now I'm like, I put in like 10, 15 minutes and I'm kind of like fucking smoked after that. Right. So Mm -hmm. that just tells me like my dry fire when I first started wasn't really what I thought it was. Right. So. And it all, it obviously depends what you're doing, right? Uh, as far as dry fire, am I working on my grip, my vision, am I working on transitions? Uh, and here's another thing, right? Uh, the biggest thing that I see within a low light, um, especially um, application wise, is guys um, that don't have a lot of low light training is they'll generally uh, grab the handheld light out. And then let's say on the target, and then the handheld light will be pointed up here somewhere. Right. Like, like the silhouette in the sky, like, like here's, here's, here, here we are down here, guys, like SOS, right? Like, so that's kind of the biggest issue that I see is guys just don't have a lot of hand-eye coordination of presenting the handheld light onto target. Right. And so they'll be off to the left, off to the right, up high, something like that. Um, and you can fix that by dry firing. Right? Yeah. You can, right. you can, you can dry fire the handheld light presentation onto a target whatever you want and you feel like oh man like my my handheld light's gonna hit the white wall and it's gonna blind me and i'm like bro like you're dry firing and if that's an issue put it on low mode or get a laser buy your little cheap laser right a little kind of handheld laser right and there's the reps of uh putting that laser on the target over yeah. and over and over right so um guys that play sports guys that play video games they have a lot of hand-eye coordination so they got those guys do uh, better versus guys who just didn't play a lot of sports, right? Um, who just don't have a lot of time really kind of getting those, those reps of hand-eye coordination. So things you can do, draw fire with a laser, with a handheld light, um, that's gonna, that's gonna pay dividends for sure. So yeah, so Brian, you already kind of touched on it, but I'm just going to ask you right off the bat. So can a weapon light or a handheld light be too bright? Uh, no, uh, not in my opinion. So whether, I'm doing structure work. I'm outside a structure, um, around vehicles, you name it. Uh, I want as many lumens as possible, right? So the more lumens I have, the more information I can gather, which allows my brain to process information faster, right? So if I could put the sign in my handheld light or my workman light, which I'm sure you've heard, uh, like I'd like to do that. Uh, we're not there yet. I'm just waiting for my lights to hurry up and step up their game. <laughs> uh, right? We're uh, working on it, right? So I want as many lumens as I can. Uh, that lumen number, there's no exact number. The higher, the better, right? 
Now it's a fine balance between lumens and candela. Lumens is simply a total measurement amount of light, whereas candela is the the measurement of the intensity of the light at distance and so forth, right? So just in a layman's terms, right? Um, and so I wanna I want I want both of those, right? So it's a fine balance between them. Um, but I want a light that is capable to give me enough PID at distance, that distance depending on what that uh, light is on, on a rifle or a handgun or just a handheld light. So, right, that's gonna be up to your own distance. That's gonna give me a lot of secondary information from the flood and the spill, and then a lot of primary information off the hotspot, right? So generally want the hotspot on target. We generally tell guys in class, hey, I want hotspot on high thoracic over the target or the person themselves so I can put that hotspot on the face so if I do that, it allows me to take away their ability to see, especially when it's completely dark outside, right? Trying to fight through that stuff is pretty hard, depending on distance. Uh, so I want as many lumens as possible. Um, so like, again, I can process information as quickly as possible, right? So sure. whether that's in a structure or not, it doesn't matter. I've never tailored or I've never carried a, a 250 lumen light because on a certain platform because I'm going to be doing a lot of structure work with it. No, it just it just comes down to techniques, right? So if I can uh, present the handgun, handle light, whatever, straight line, center line where I'm looking, great. If I can, because the environment is giving me a lot of uh, spill back off the the wall, the mirror, whatever, then if opportunity arises, then I can broadcast the light up, right? So umbrella lighting to spill that light up, and it'll spill down, or floorboard lighting, right, where I'm broadcasting light down, and it'll flood up. Now, that's very dependent on the environment, right? You can't always get away with that because let's say I'm in a warehouse where it's like, I don't know, 20 feet, right? Like, so I'm not going to get a lot of spill back off of that, right? So maybe floorboard or keeping that light center, right? But here's the thing, like, I'm not going to keep that light completely on a mirror the whole entire time or completely on a white wall and just like blinding myself, right? Like, you're going to be fine. You're like, you'll just pass through it for like a second, right? You're, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And as long as you leave your light on, Right, you're not gonna you're not gonna be blind, right? Because yes, if I if I go light on, light off, I start to bleach my eyes, and right? there's a chemical within the eyes called rhodopsin. So when I do that, it kind of restarts the whole process. Um, and then so the more times I do light on, light off, I'm bleaching my eyes, right? So essentially, I kind of make myself legally blind over and over if I'm going light on, light off, right? So not a fan of that. Now it has its applications, but patrol-based guys, like, light on. They already know we're there, right? Like, I, like, I need to be able to see, right? So I'm not walking around blind. Yeah. So that's my sense on it, man. Yeah. I worked at a place um, the last couple of years that had a had a really nice uh, action target simunition shoot house, um, and the walls were just, like, perfectly white, right? And so everything's white in there. And for the most part, a lot of the runs that we would have students doing, especially at the beginning, were, were very sterile. So no furniture, no nothing. It's just an empty room, white walls. Justin's been in that shoot house, um, concrete floor, white walls, and it's kind of in a, in a warehouse type, uh, type room, right? Where the ceiling's very tall. Um, OKW on a, uh, like an 11.5 AR, right? No issues, right? Like, yeah, man. I, it was never like, oh my gosh, that's too bright. I, I lost view of the target. It was never anything like that. And then from my experience doing stuff in um, in like normal houses, there's a lot of things inside the house that soak up light, 
right? Like your couch isn't bouncing light back off of you. Carpet doesn't do that. Uh, even different kinds of paint or whatever people have hanging on their walls, like that stuff mm-hmm. all tends to absorb light versus like bouncing straight off. Like you're saying, it's not like you're just shining at a whiteboard or a um, or a mirror the whole time. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's maybe something that people just kind of over overplay a little bit, but um, yeah, I think it was also very legacy doctrine or legacy thinking, you know, at sure. the, when that was kind of coming out like, man, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, whenever that was right. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Very good. Uh, kind of maybe one of our last questions, and then I do want to get to a couple of listener questions if we have yeah. a few minutes here. So um, what is, or what, what are the, some of, some of the biggest roadblocks you see with students taking your low light courses, um, just kind of across the board, maybe one or two things that it's like, yeah, I see this frequently coming up and this can be for your LE guys or for your, uh, um, civ- civilian guys. Yeah. So, um, it'll, it'll, it applies to both. Right. So <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, the handheld light on target is generally kind of the number one issue. Right. So if you're going to take a low light class with me or whoever it is, right. And you're kind of like, ah, I don't do a lot of handheld light stuff uh be ready when you come to at least my class right you're going to do a lot of handhold stuff whether that's with a handgun or a rifle can't um, confirm right yeah exactly because dude here's the thing what am i like what on a handgun or a rifle easy right it's a piece of cake like turn that thing on you got your best two-handed grip possible right like you're fine right uh but when it's like one hand on the gun and one hand on the hand on the light you're like oh man whether it's rifle or handgun that's going to kind of really show you where you are within your skill set, right? And, yes. and it just give you something to work on because, yeah, it's easy. Everybody does live fire, dry fire with two hands on the gun, weapon mile light, et cetera. That's easy, right? Practice what you're not good at, right? That's, mm. that's kind of how I got better at stuff. Um, so dry fire, right? Go to the range if you can. Uh, the handheld light on target as much as possible. Things that will help. Obviously, you can do it at home. You can do it with a laser, um, you know, target, whatever you want. If you're at the range unit um, and you're kind of waiting for low light setting conditions, let's say maybe you only have, maybe you can't do low light at the range. Um, if you're running a, a powerful enough handheld light at a certain distance, you know, seven yards from the target, what I'll do is I'll put a uh, black spray paint on the target, on the center, right, the chest, the A zone. And then I'll also put a high-vis reflective tape right above it. So that way during daytime, at least when I run my handheld light on it, it'll kind of give me some uh, refraction right off of the the uh, the tape itself. Yes. Uh, uh, or the spray paint. Sometimes the spray paint will do it, uh, but the, uh, the high-vis tape for sure will do that, right? So you can do that. Um, now it also depends on the day, right? Sometimes on the, like when it's a fully bright day, which most of the time they are, right? Uh, it Especially down in Texas. Yeah, it doesn't always work, uh, but it may it may help you out, right? So try that out if you want to do that for your own practice, guys, uh, during your live fire sessions if you're waiting for low light conditions. Um, so that works. Um, so handheld light on target, and then uh, handheld light placement, whether that's on a belt setup or whether that's concealed. For my concealed guys, it's generally not an issue because generally most guys are going to run on the support side. So I'm a right-handed shooter, so... Obviously, mags are going to be on the left side of the body. So same thing with a handheld light should be on the left side of the body, whether that's the back left pocket, right, or the front pocket on the left side. Um, I've seen some guys run a handheld light on the dominant side, right, which is kind of weird. So trying to reach across my body for a handheld light is weird. So I should keep that handheld light on the support side 
just like if I was doing a reload, it's the same thing with a handheld light, right? So mm -hmm. I, I wear it in my front pocket right here. So if I need the handheld light, right, it kind of mimics what I have commonality between a reload or uh, fetching my handheld light. So I have that kind of same okay. motion, if we will, right? So uh, for my concealed guys, that's pretty easy. But the same thing for my patrol guys. I'll see patrol guys carry their handheld lights on the opposite side of the body mm. for whatever for whatever reason, right? So I don't know why. Please don't do that. Keep it on the support side. Uh, so a little bit of a gear issue there, right? Sure. Um, and then if, what else? If you're Go running, so if you're running a belt and a plate carrier, which I know, um, based on a lot of your photos and things, you you tend to run both most of the time. Yeah. Um, where where do you prefer to run that kind of on the duty gear? Is is that up on the PC or is that down on the belt? Uh, so it's most of the time on my belt, right? So okay. I just have a lot of reps of it on my belt and I'm sure. not always running my play care. So again, sure. I just try to keep it common across the board. So when I run my play care, great. If I don't have it, then obviously I have my first line belt on. It's always, it's always on the same spot. So cool. two mags, right? Two mags, handle light, raffle mag, radio, whatever, whatever I'm running, right? But I keep that set up pretty much the same. Um, so that's what I run that way on my plate carrier. I'm running out, I'm running defense mechanisms, plate carrier, and it has a, just a side pouch for it. So I just run it right here on the left side as well, right? So just support side. Um, cool. So keep that pretty common again. So handheld light on target, handheld light placement on body or on kit. And then what else? What else? What else? And then obviously one-handed shooting. That's, yeah. that's going to be the biggest thing, right? Because... Yeah handheld light handgun so it's a lot of one-handed shooting so um you know like at seven yards guys will keep them alphas and once we start pushing distance like 15 25 and we do a lot of distance shooting in the class right we'll start you off relatively close seven yards that's kind of the closest that we go to uh and then we push distance near targets to medium to far targets steel right etc just depends on the range so if you're not happy with your performance that just that just tells you, you have work to do and that's that's good, right? Like you're not always gonna be a winner, that's for sure. So for when sure. you're using your handheld light, what technique do you prefer? Do you prefer Harry's or all of them, baby? You know? Okay. Yeah. So there's a time uh, and a place. Yeah, there's a time and a place, right? So I generally show three. There, there's, there's, there's quite a bit more than that, right? So I'll show uh, the FBI technique, right? I'll show uh, a tempo index or chin index, whichever. Right? Kind of, kind of keep those as the same one, even though they're kind of not right. So you could count that as maybe, you know, two and three if you want. So FBI, a temple index or a chin index, and then a Harry's position, right? So the Harry's position. So I show those three or four, however you want to count it. Um, and then that's it, right? So you'll notice, and I talk about it in class a lot is I'm not a fan of having to change my grip, right? So I'm not a fan of changing my grip on handheld lights. So when I go to an FBI, it doesn't change. If I go to temple index, it doesn't change. If I go to chin index, it doesn't change. If I go to a Harry's position, the only thing that changes is how I meet or mount the, the hands, right? But the grip itself of how I hold the light doesn't change. So you never see me do this, right? You never see me have to do a syringe grip. You never see me have to do just anything with a handheld light because of human anatomy and inner limb coordination, right? So can we, got, can we get guys to switch up? Can we get guys to hold the light in different ways for sure? But we need time and we need money, right? If I only have guys four hours for low light training, right? And maybe the two of that is kind of a, a pre-workup and then maybe you only get two hours of actual low light training, right? So I'm not 
about to waste a lot of time showing them 10 different ways of how to hold a handle light. I'm just going to show them one way to hold it and a couple of different applications of how to apply it to the environment. So an FBI position works really well around a vehicle inside a structure, right? If let's say I'm not so good at presenting the handhold light out here and then trying to shoot one handed, right? Because that's kind of two systems that I'm trying to work with, right? The closer I bring uh, the handheld light towards my body, what you'll generally see is guys uh, shoot a little bit better and they'll shoot a little bit more accurate, right? Because now everything's kind of coming center line. Everything's kind of getting tighter. So you'll see guys shoot better this way or even this way compared to the FBI position because I have two free floating objects out here, right? So um, those are the, the techniques that I showed you. So if you wanted to come to a little light class, there you go. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, okay. Justin, you have anything else or can we jump into some, uh, listener submitted questions? No, go, go for it. Cool. Um, all right. So I think we can maybe bust through quite a few of these because I think we, we've talked about some of this stuff already. Um, one of the questions we got a number of times, do you use primarily momentary or, uh, constant on, you already kind of said that constant on is pretty much the go-to there, right? For the reasons that we already talked about, the light kind of flickering on and off, things like that. Um, yeah, whether I'm handheld light or what mount light, it's generally constant on. Um, now, uh, again, big fan of a tail cap that can do both. Um, so sometimes I just, I just push down on the gas pedal, if you will. Um, and it's not fully activated, but it's kind of almost there. It depends on the on the tail cap itself, but like when I'm let, when I'm uh, let on target, yeah, it's like a, it's a constant on whether that's a full click in or it's like a almost fully clicked in, if you will. Right. So it's constant sure. on generally do what I need to do with the light and then turn it off. Right. So generally there's five applications when we need light. So that's searching, that's navigation, right. That's communication. Uh, then it's uh, control uh, and then it's a uh, PID. So if I'm doing any of those five things with a handheld light or webmental light, then the light's on. If I'm not yeah. doing any of those five things, then turn that turn that thing off and do whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. So just, just be smart with it, right? So, um, yeah, there you go. Cool. I, I dig it. Um, another question. So if strobe isn't necessary, why are they built into lights so often? Oh man, I think it just comes down to uh, a feature that people may have thought they wanted or really liked, right? Um, somebody thought it was cool to have a strobe effect, um, but I haven't seen any OS. Uh, I'm sure they're out there uh, where guys are intentionally using strobe. It's probably an accidental thing, uh, but the strobe effect gives us buffering information. So if you think of a like a, a comic book or somebody writing out a, a story, right? It's kind of page by page or sketch by sketch. And when you when you do the story right on the pages, you kind of see it in kind of buffered information. Yep. So a strobe gives you that buffer information depending on distance, your eyes and so forth. So yep. why do why do that to ourselves? Why not just turn the thing on? Right. Right. And be done with it. So it almost looks like one of those old, like really, really old like very first movies that they made right yeah. where it's like just ching, 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 and it's a bunch yeah. of like uh, like the charlie chaplin stuff right like that's like what it, that's picture what, yeah that's yeah. what it looks like 100 because I, I think a lot of people maybe you they think it's it's good like you were saying they turn it on what they don't realize is it works against them as well right yeah so it's it's definitely uh disorientating for the 
for the suspect or whatever. Certainly. But also also for you as well, right? Because you're like, right. ah, you know, you may not be directly on the receiving end, but you're still getting that that uh that buffered information, if you will. Yeah. 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 Right. You wanna know okay. what else is disorienting? What's that? <laughs> that's, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's pretty disorienting too. Mara Dobson. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um another question we got was what is Rhodopsin? Uh, so again, rhodopsin is just a light sensitive chemical uh, or protein within the eyes, right? So there's rhodopsin uh, and then like once light hits it, it essentially becomes bleached, right? So there's a whole like anatomy kind of mm -hmm. like small anatomy that we do within the class, but that's kind of a layman's definition of it, right? So um, rhodopsin is important, right? Because it's a light sensitive uh, protein within the eye. We want as much of that as possible. Right? Generally, we don't see well during the dark right so we want to preserve that as much as we can once i start doing light on light off or get light right my eyes are exposed to light it becomes a bleach so i lose that rhodopsin right so i want to have that as much as possible to to regain that to get uh, my eyes fully saturated with rhodopsin can take anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes or longer depending on age right um and various things you smoke drink you name it right so sure uh, i want to keep um, as much of that that protein or that that chemical within the eye as best as possible. All right, so that's rhodopsin in, in a nutshell, if you will. Right, that's we cool. dive deeper. We dive deeper into it in the class. Um, it's good for guys to know. There are some guys who care. There are some guys who are like, oh, bro, but it's not. It's not. It's not crazy. Right? Like we're in class, like maybe thirty-five minutes or forty-five minutes. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Cool, cool. Um, let's see. I want to get through uh, some of these really quick here. So um, one guy said, wow, he said this in three parts. Oh, babe. Wow. Okay. Ready. So it's having, it's, this might, this, I don't know, this might not make a lot of sense to, to me, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of retarded. So is having enough <laughs> light to spot a threat the same as having enough light to get through the fight? Meaning I have enough light in a building to see a gun in someone's hand, but not enough light to get through the fight depending on the situation. Um, yeah. I, so I think I know what he's saying is like, I, I think we maybe talked about it already with is a light too bright for the situation. I think the answer there may be going, going brighter is better, right? Yeah. Going, going brighter is better. Right. So I'll give you a stat from my, uh, from the Ellie perspective. Right. So okay. over, um, so low light conditions right now, that's not like a, was that completely dark? Oh, was it kind of a resopping environment, right? Where it's kind of like ambient, it's kind of like dusk and so forth. Uh, low light conditions contributed to 75% of mistake of fact shootings. For those that don't know, mistake of fact wow. shooting simply means is we shot somebody who did not deserve to be shot, right? Because they, because we thought law enforcement, or we thought that they had a gun in their hand, but it was a wallet. It was mm. a phone, right? It was keys. It was it was a lighter in their hand, but they thought it was a knife. You name it, right? So, what does that what does that tell you? That in the majority of these shootings, there's not enough information being provided, right? Right. So our eyes are designed to work best when it's daylight, right? right. So, so bro, like I want as much lumens as much as I can get, right? So, yep. Um, so. I don't think that necessarily answers the question, but um, 
I would hate to have, or I'd hate to fall into the category of doing a, falling into a mistake effect shooting because I thought it was a, a wallet, right? And there's tons of videos. I could show videos, right? and I show videos in class of that of guys doing that, right? Like, the sure. guy was just presenting a wallet. Like, he wasn't even acting in any type of, uh, his demeanor wasn't aggressive. He was complying to what the officer was saying, right? And, and the officer still sure. shot him because he thought it was a gun, like, right? Yikes. So, yeah, right? So we, we need as much uh, limits as possible. So, yes, you can PID a, a person, at whatever distance that is with whatever light you're running. Um, and you may think it is a weapon and, and or, or not, right? Um, but why why even kind of put yourself in that potential risk, right? Just just run as many limits as you can, homie. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I don't know right. what to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree with that certainly. And I think you're um you you mentioned this before, your your um your context can change super fast, right? So if you're in a perfectly dark room and you turn on your iPhone light or even just turn on your phone screen, like that can give you plenty of light to navigate the room or find something. I mean, we've all probably done it. We walk in to the bedroom, the wife's asleep, the lights are off. We turn on our phone. We're trying to find, you know, our phone charger or whatever it is. Right. And we're, and it's plenty of light to navigate. We can see things, um, but certainly that's not going to be enough light to uh, light someone up who's 20 yards away um, in some shadows in a parking lot, something like that. I mean, that phone light's not going to do anything. So I think um, to answer maybe his question, uh, having enough light to spot the threat, the same as having enough light to get through the fight, I don't think so. Um, yeah. It's going to depend on the context, all the lumens. All and the you'll lumens. also see that with guys coming to class um, and actually working through 3D uh visual bearers so you okay. can get away with it you can get away with it on a blue barrel you can get away with it on a VTEC. but when you start applying uh vehicles on the range or or structures and so forth that kind of give you a 3d 3d dimensional aspect um guys that are running let's say and i can't think of anything not to like bash any brands but like um those very subcompact weapon model lights that have a lot of flood right on a lot of spill but not even a hot spot They'll do fine at seven, maybe 10 yards. They can see the target, but targets that are beyond that, even at 25, they're like, dude, I can't, I can't see it. Or what they're having a problem with is fighting through smoke, right? Or carbon buildup because maybe they're the 10th mm -hmm. guy on the line, right? While guys are going down. So now there's a lot of like smoke or fog, um, or they're just laying down on the deck and they're trying to fight through some, some semi tall grass. And then all that light is getting eaten up by the environment itself, right? So, think think of, about that as well when you when you looking to purchase a weapon on a light, right? Like, is it going to be powerful enough, or the hotspot is it is it powerful enough to help me push through those photonic barriers, right? So, if a photon is simply an element amount of light on the, we generally can't see that, right? So, um, and then a photonic bearer is anything that interacts with that light from doing work. So that could be light on light. So mm -hmm. I'm fighting it, I'm fighting into somebody else's light. I'm fighting against black, uh, black, I'm fighting against a window tent, right? So we're super dark window tent. I'm fighting from a daylight setting into a dark setting, right? There's a lot of examples of that with an LE. Um, am I trying to push through some grass, carbon, smoke, you name it, right? So if I can't push through it, I have to change my elevation, go above it, go below it, go around it, you name it, right? So those are all considerations for a, a weapon on a light and handle, handle light, really, to be honest. 
Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And that was another, that was another question we had about gas from the gun kind of blocking your view. I think um, you just answered that perfectly. Like, listen, if you can't see the target, the target's obscured by something in your environment, which could be the gas coming out of your gun, get yourself to a more advantageous position where you can, where you can see, right. Yeah. Um, that is, that is definitely something that I've run across before shooting. Justin, you and I were doing something a few months ago where we were shooting um, maybe 40, 50 yards of the handgun, which is stretching it for sure. Right. But we have lights on our guns that can reach that far very, very easily. And that was the thing we were running into right away was all this gas and smoke from the guns obscures the target in maybe two or three shots. Right. Yep. And so we were kind of standing static and like, well, I don't really know what to do and just kind of pushing through and the powerful light helps a little bit, but I mean, probably one of the easiest things we could have done was just sidestepped one or two steps. The target yeah. comes back in view, re-engage the target, right? Does it work great for the the time drill? Like probably not. Right. But it's one of those things that you definitely have to work through. So, um, very cool. And, uh, and another question was, what do I do? I find myself blinded by someone else's light. <clears throat> um, like you said, I think the more powerful the light you have, the easier it's going to push through, a, a, you know, an opposing light source. Um, Certainly, I found like candela to be very helpful for that. The the brighter right. and tighter the hot spot, the easier it is to push past and see what's behind that light. Right. Um, anything else you would add to that one? The the kind of getting blinded, getting getting the light treatment yourself. Yeah. So uh, obviously, having a good light, like you said, that yeah. can help me potentially push through it as best as possible. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. It just depends what you're fighting. Sure. fighting but if i'm directly fighting into the source of the light if i have the time and the ability to do so you're gonna have to change the angle right yeah. just like trying to trying to push through smoke or carbon right above below around i'm gonna have to change the angle so i'm not directly being friendly by the light now that's easier said than done especially if you're fighting a worthy opposition because like that dude's using light he's not just gonna leave the light on that one spot and then like let you move right so it's kind of a give and take, but you do your best to change the angle as best as possible. If it's a, if it's, if it's a static light, not a problem. Right. But if it's sure. a organic light, that's moving, right. Cause it's, it's, it's attached to a weapon system on a, with a person, then, then that's a different story, right. You just, you do your best within that as best as you can. Right. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, let me see if there's anything else worth uh, pulling up here. I do appreciate people jumping on Instagram and, and sending us some questions in for Brian. Um, <laughs> so the homie, Matt Adams, he said, uh, do you teach the light in the mouth technique asking for a friend? <laughs> that is uh, that's after class, bro. <laughs> that's after yeah. It's dark out. It's yeah, it's, it's nice. All right. Um, I think that about wraps it up for um, kind of the topic of the day here. Um, unless you have anything else you would like to, um, to to bring up, Brian or or Justin. Yeah, so I've got one. So sure. I I want I want Brian to to bust the probably one of the biggest myths. Oh man. <laughs> um, uh oh. That that I hear uh, or have heard. I would say it's uh, pretty pretty uncommon within like our circles, the training community. Um, but more so common, um, with like your average concealed carry person, um, you know, your average gun owner, uh, the, the myth being, or the question being, I don't want to have a weapon light on my gun because it gives my position away. What would you say Ooh. to that? Uh, so 
here's the thing, right? So generally, whether it's a LE perspective or a concealed carry perspective, they generally already know where we are, right? We already started the engagement or we're about to start the engagement or the fight's already on because it was it started DT, right? So uh, a DT situation and then evolve into a gunfight. They already know we're there. It doesn't matter, right? So um, I don't think there's any documented cases. There may be only one uh, where a, a person was shooting at the light because they thought it was a... Um, a um, what was it? It was a couple of years ago. It was it was an officer responding to a um, an alarm at a residence. The homeowner shot the officer right because he was shooting at the light because he thought it was a uh, a burglar or whatever. All right, so home invasion. Um, but other than that, I think that was kind of the only documented case of, of where somebody was shooting at the light. Now, does that happen? It kind of happened for sure, right? Um, but that comes down to the skill level of the opposition and so forth. General like. General fucking shit bags are generally not shooting at the light, but it, it, it does happen, right? But I wouldn't let that um, dictator stop me from carrying a weapon at a light, mm. right? Because at the end of the day, suspects don't play by our rules, right? So, meaning, let's say I had that weapon on a light on and then I turn it off, right? Suspect, right? Opposition is never going to be like, oh shit. He turned the light. He turned the light off. Like I can't shoot him. You know what I mean? I can only shoot what I can what I can see. Oh shit! There's a light. Okay, now I can shoot him. Oh shit! He turned it off again. No, right? They just they just send hate in our general direction. So it doesn't even matter, bro. Like so, uh, I tell guys all the time. Like don't let that stop you from carrying a weapon a light because uh, it is a very very low percentage, right? So yeah, it definitely can. You de you definitely could fall on that. Maybe let's say one two percent, but. And look at a majority of the scale. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry a wolf my life. Yeah. So I definitely say it's a myth. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Just from my personal limited experience, albeit, um, you know, Brendan, the some of the some of the shoot house stuff we had done, um, you know, uh, last year, it was it was really interesting for me to uh, I know I remember there was one scenario we did um, for uh, a, a class that we did and where I actually came into a room and you already had your mod light shining right at me um, and I will never forget that was one of the first times that I was like jacked up like kind of on adrenaline I go into a room not expecting like I expected you to be you know doing something else and I opened the door to you shining light in my face a mod light right in my face and I literally, it was like, I was looking at the sun. I could I, like, I'm not kidding you. This is, this is literally what I saw. And I saw the uh, light, baby. yeah. Um, and that, that was such an, I already kind of believed this already, but that was such like a, a nail in the coffin for me to believe that that myth is just not the way like it works in real world from, from my mm -hmm. experience is that when you have really high powered lights, um, and maybe it's the case with like a little iPhone light, right? Like you see something a little in the darkness and you're like, what is that? Um, but when you have like these high performance lights, like mod lights, your fires, whatever it may be, um, what you're seeing, what you're intaking in your eyes is so powerful. The, the, yeah. that idea just, just kind of gets thrown out the window. Like you can't, just, yeah. you can't, you're not able to look through it and be like, Hmm. I see where he's not. And I'm going to shoot in that direction. You're like yeah. your immediate response is, Oh my gosh, that's so bright. You close your eyes, yeah. you cover your eyes, you look away, whatever it may be. So, and know, as, as I remember with that scenario too, I, I believe the lights weren't all the way off. So there was ambient light 
and I think I was, I think I was maybe kneeling or crouched in, uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of the room, shining the light right at the door when you walked in. Right. And so yep. there was, there was actually enough light, ambient light. If, if there had been no flashlights involved, you would have been able to see me identify what I was holding in my hands, all of that very easily. Um, but even in that ambient light situation, I mean, the light completely distracted you and, uh, it certainly would have given me enough time to put rounds on target if I, if I had wanted to, um, I don't think that was the scenario at the time, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's very, uh, opening. uh, some pun intended, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> I, I closing, um, I closing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, 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 to be put in that situation for the first time, uh, certainly. So, yeah, I would, I would recommend and this is something you can do, especially if you have like airsoft guns, something I recommend to like anyone I ever talked to about the subject is literally just like go, go in a, in a house at night with a couple of your buddies and just play like hide and seek with, with handheld lights and like surprise each other, try and find each other and like literally shine these in each other's faces as you go into rooms. Uh, or if you have better day, if, if you have like airsoft guns, um, it doesn't need to be like this crazy CQB scenario. Just literally go and try shining lights at each other and try to like shoot at each other. Just like, st- like match yeah. style, right? Like it doesn't have to be structured just to see like what it's like to have, you know, some gangster dude just shine a super high powered light at your face. And it's like, that it'll answer a lot of the questions that you have, I think. <laughs> Certainly. Certainly. Okay. Well, Brian, um, thank you so much for coming on, uh, contributing to the discussion. I think this was very course, beneficial. Man. I definitely got a lot out of it. I think everybody who's, who's going to watch this is going to as well. Really enjoy chatting with you. Um, as always, looking forward to sharing the line with you again one of these days. Hopefully we can, uh, Justin, I can get down to one of your uh, one of your classes here. I think that would be a hoot um before we go let folks know how they can keep up with you sign up for training classes that type of thing how they can support you yeah man so you can find me on instagram right slide tech training uh same same handle for the website slide tech training.com facebook's the same pretty much all the same youtube uh, not heavily on youtube yet i only have so much time i'm gonna i'm gonna try to do a lot more youtube stuff for sure I'm trying to kind of follow the same path you guys are doing right um but you can get a hold of me really easy on IG, right? I'm very uh, active on there. So you can DM me if you have messages or questions. Um, or you can email me, right? Um, but yeah, I would say IG is probably easiest um, unless you want to email me directly. So um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, man. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Gateway Defense Podcast. If you like this content, um, please do us a favor by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Um, follow us over on Instagram. Keep up with the daily stuff. And of course, if you're looking to train with us, be sure to check out our website, gateway to gateway-defense.com. I can also purchase uh, merch there, um, and that's a great way to find us and support us. In addition, if you'd like to host us for a class in your area, we're going to be traveling the country um, just much the same as Brian is going to be uh, for the 2024 um, calendar year. So be sure to check out our hosting section on the website as well. See, figure out how you can get a free class. Thanks for listening to the Gateway Defense Podcast. And until next time, keep practicing and shooting, and we'll see you on the range.